If your business is struggling or not growing as fast as you would like, then you must take extreme ownership and ask some tough questions. From cash flow to finding the right niche, improving your product and service to having the right people in the right seats, in this episode, we'll give you the framework you need to revive your stagnant business. All right, on this show, we're talking about the secret to overcoming a stagnant business. And Jeremy and I are both in entrepreneurs organizations, so we hear the the dark stories of all businesses. And if your business is stagnant, I just wanna give you a little bit of hope and also, look, business is hard. Business is super hard. Businesses go through ups and downs. It's not that you're dumb. Yeah. Well, will, you might be dumb. No. Can't rule that out. <laughs> it's really easy to get hard on yourself, uh, but lots of businesses go through ups and downs. We had some years, I think there were a few years in the Wistar years that we didn't grow a lot, that we felt a little stagnant. In the uh, property management world, there's these weird ra- uh, uh, phases or ranges between zero and 100, 150 units. You're, you're, you've created kind of a lifestyle business where you can kind of keep yourself active. You can make enough money to live on. Um, and then the next one is like uh, somewhere around up to 450 or 500 units. And that's, that's a business. Like you have to have done something to make yourself um, uh, at least kind of uh, using procedures. And then there's a next phase, which is about I'd say above 500 to about 1,200 units. If you're multifamily, up to like 2,000. That's kind of got more, got to have more of a corporate feel. That's more sophisticated. It's a little bit, It's you've got to be more sophisticated to be able to have 1,200 to 2,000 units, depending on your industry. Um, and that's, that, that, so, and, I, and I've seen it in other businesses also. There's always a lifestyle kind of version. Now those are the most susceptible to being kind of downtrodden by market pressures. So that's why you kind of want to get up to, you want to scale up to at least a business level. And then above that, you want to get, uh, if you really want to like set yourself apart, use it as a retirement tool, you have to have probably in the neighborhood of a thousand, two thousand units. Yeah, that's important. And, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where your business is stagnant and you're not growing, um, just take extreme ownership. Is that Jocko Wilkins or whatever, that book, Extreme Ownership? Just if you are the leader of the business, you know it's your fault if it's not growing, but and it's hard to s- swallow that pill if that's where you are. But it also is an opportunity once you take extreme ownership for the success or failure of the business and you don't blame anybody on it, then there's the opportunity that you really have to make it better. I heard Vern Harnish speak. He's the author of Rockefeller Habits a few weeks ago. And he says that businesses that are stagnant, there are like four main issues with it. There's either a people problem, there's a strategy problem, an execution problem, or a cash flow problem. And his advice is to not tackle all at once, but tackle maybe one particular issue a quarter um, or every half a year, depending on how bad the issue is and do like the lowest hanging fruit or the one that is in the most need of fixing. And so I wanted to take some time and talk about these top problems. Now, 
if you have a people issue, you may have the wrong people on the bus. And that's where I see most small businesses, medium-sized businesses start stagnating. There starts to be a little bit of this, uh, a weird pressure, and you'll recognize this in yourself if you're running a business or want to, you'll find it, that uh, people feel like they have someone inadequate on the team but are afraid to lose them because if they lose them, they're gonna end up having to do all the work. That's a classic trigger for you to identify that it is time to let that person go or prepare to let that person go because it's gonna happen. And it's gonna happen anyway. Just another, do it in your own control. Another situation is it's your brother-in-law uh, or your best friend. That sucks. And they haven't grown with the business. Or you could find that somebody you started a business with, you end up, you know, life happens and you have bi- different ambition levels or different desires for what you really want out of life. And those things cause this crossroads where it's like, are you gonna choose the business? Is the business its own entity and you do what's in its best interest? Or are you okay with with not having the business flourish as much as it could because this person is more important than the business? And I think, I mean, there was a time at the very beginning of Wistar where we were hiring people that you loved at those early days and we were like, well, they're good enough. Yeah. And, and it was the purpose of the business wasn't to get like uber wealthy or go crazy in those early days. It was, you know, to support the family or friends. Brand new babies. Yeah, and so it's okay if that's your goal. Just be very clear on what your goal is. And if you do want your business to flourish, sometimes you have to make the hard choice that this person isn't the person that's gonna get you to the next stage if you're stagnant, and you have to make a tough choice. And up to and including you, or the owner of the company, um, that we kinda get the impression that we're the ones that are supposed to be running the show on a day to, you know, running the show. Um, But at a certain point, the company can very well outgrow even the ownership. A hundred percent. Yeah, and then so then the ownership needs to set up, uh, hire what is commonly referred to in this EO sphere as an integrator. Um, uh, we, they can be the president of the company, but they are at least an integrator. And uh, if, if they're not the president, they're the right-hand man uh, or woman to the president. And they're in charge of making sure that things go, they're the discipline that runs through the ranks to make sure that things are going the way that uh, leadership wants it to. But that's important. You can outgrow, the company can outgrow the ownership of the company. A hundred percent. And it's it's a nice lubricant to maybe sit somebody in there that that does the the president kind of role or at least has an integrator. That's, that's been very successful for many of my friends. And uh, it is true. Uh, I mean, this is a moment, if your business is stagnant, if it's not growing, this is a time to ask those super hard questions. Am I the bottleneck? Am I the problem? Is my leadership not growing? Are people leaving the business because I'm not inspiring enough or I'm not giving them direction or I'm hard to work with? This is where the introspection really needs to happen if you think uh, you have a people issue. Um, The next problem that people have is a strategy issue. And so this is where, you know, a lot of businesses can get into that awkward teenage phase where you had some success maybe at the front end, 
But now you're like, where do we go from here? We've kind of, you know, cornered the market in our little space. How do we grow? What do we do? And so this is where having some time to really be clear about like your niche or maybe you're terrible at marketing and so you're not gaining business because your marketing is terrible or you have a horrible sales arm so you're not growing that way. Um, what else do you have about strategy? Have you seen people's strategy go awry? Strategy is, I think I would include inside of that a financial fiscal budget. And it's pretty rare, especially in the smaller size companies to have that. But the point to take from that is that if you have a budget and you're not meeting budget, that it then necessarily drives different behavior to help get the financial strategy uh, up to where you wanted it. Um, and there's a little bit of an execution commingling there, but- Which we'll go into yeah, in a we'll minute. Yeah, we'll do that next. But um, um, the, the, the plan, the strategy has to readily identify when it's not being met, and then there have to be instruments in place to make it so that you do affect change. Which just, is a segue into execution. And just be clear on who you are and where you want to go with the business. So, for instance, if you're a property management company and you're wanting to be, you want to get into multifamily, well, then you're going to have to target multifamily in your marketing. So, but you can't target everything. So just be very clear on who you want to be, what you want to do, and what your goals and vision is and then go about making a plan to execute it, which is the execution phase is the other problem. So sometimes people have great people, great strategy, they know exactly what they wanna do, but they cannot for the life of them get organized or hold people accountable, right? Or, or That's me, I can't execute crap. Um, but then you just have to have someone um, that helps deploy, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the point. Not all of us are great at everything, I mean, I'm close, <laughs> uh, but one of my deficiencies is definitely on the execution side. I just can't follow up, um, but somebody can, and that's what you have to like. Know who you are, know what you can do. Know more importantly, know what you can't do, and compensate. That almost sounds so. Cliche. You either have someone else who's good at holding, because I'm probably good at the execution part. I mean, I decide like we had to redo our marketing this quarter, new website, new social media, new plan action take took place it's done um and so uh this is kind of where you the framework the eos framework or some kind of meeting cadence comes in where it the the cadence of the meetings enforces the accountability and people are accountable to one another and when you have that accountability framework in place people who aren't meeting their goals show up like a sore thumb they know it, you know it, and this is where you can kind of smoke people out, where, hey, we're getting more sophisticated, we're an organization that has um, accountability built in, we have metrics, if you can't meet your metrics, you're not gonna fit anymore, and that's when rubber meets the road, and that's when you really get the traction, when you, you really hold people accountable. Now, a few things have to happen. You have to have good reporting, so you know what your metrics are. You have to write those metrics down in a place that everybody's looking at them on a regular basis, and then you have to hold people accountable to those metrics. 
that's where you really start getting execution to work. Would you agree with that, Jerry? Yep, for sure. So KP, having the right KPIs and being thoughtful about those KPIs because you can incentivize the wrong behavior. And my favorite example is the person who we had a call time. Uh, oh yeah, a call time metric at, with Star Group where you were measured on how long your calls lasted. He would just hang up on people. At seven minutes or something, literally just in the middle of a sentence, boop, at seven minutes. And he would, uh, <laughs> and then they would think that they got disconnected, but we figured it out through call monitoring that he was just hanging up on people. So you wanna be very careful about your KPIs. You don't wanna be a story like uh, Wells Fargo where they were incentivized yeah. to just open accounts. So they were opening fake accounts to meet their goals. And then it caused uh, complete chaos for um, their PR. So be thoughtful about those KPIs and just make sure that you're measuring what matters. Also with execution, being really clear on job descriptions. This is another area where people are unclear and you typically have to review those job descriptions on a yearly basis at the very minimum because jobs change over time. Um, and so being clear and like, here are your responsibilities, this is how you're measured and uh, operating like a well-oiled machine can make the whole difference in your business and take it from stagnant to growing. Okay, cash flow. So cash management is a huge one. So do you have any words of wisdom? I feel like you're super good at like accounts receivable. Yeah, magic. cash up front, pay, it's COD. Cash on delivery is what it used to be called or what it is referred to in manufacturing and logistics and whatnot. But. Um, uh, you know, it, it always, of course, helps if you have some sort of a monthly fee and there's kind of a steady income uh, and and literally to pay in advance. But the one thing that I think people goof up and I'm I am regularly surprised that people don't do this better is setting up a line of credit that they can use for those the, the peaks and valleys of cash flow, especially if you have any kind of a payroll. You obviously want to use it as little as possible, but you don't want to always feel that pressure of, oh my God, my bank account only has this much money in it. It's perfectly legitimate. It's actually almost, it can be healthy, um, which seems counterintuitive, but it can it can be perfectly healthy to have your, your cash run low because of something like payroll, something predictable, something you built into your budget. But then to not have a line of credit that can help absorb it worry-free is kind of amateur. I do think, you know, you have to be a certain size probably for it to really matter, but um, you definitely wanna make sure that you have a line of credit so that you can not stress out about mm -hmm. it. Now, pay it back right away. I remember years ago we had a personal line of credit and what we did was we managed it really well where we brought income in during the month and it was for our house and we paid our house off something like seven years early with it or 14 years early with just that kind of cash management so as dangerous as so as useful as a line of credit can be it can also be dangerous if you use it incorrectly but um having a line of credit that you can depend on and have read uh, easy access to is i'd say probably the best thing for cash flow oh and make money Maybe that's a good one to mention too. Well, an accounts make receivable, money. like just make sure that that doesn't get out of control. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people get in trouble because they want to be nice, they want to ask for money. Do this. They hate the they hate the collections process, and then they don't get paid, and then they have a cash flow issue. Have a filter in whatever software you're using that shows everybody that has a balance over whatever a hundred dollars for greater than 
whatever you consider a problem, call it 15 days, and initiate your regular contact. A lot of software like Rent Manager uh, automatically sends out notifications every now and again <clears throat> to let people know about it. But at a certain point, and I think it's probably at when 30 days have gone, you're, you're probably too late. You're probably too late. And so pick up the phone, call them have those relationships. I mean, that's part of the reason you wanna maintain relationships with clients. It's not just to look for new business, it's also just to help them understand that you're human, you're a person, and you need to get paid. And they can't be, they can't, they can't delay, but you've gotta have that personal connection. Don't, don't rely on email and these automated systems to do everything for you, because cash flow is significantly affected by those couple few clients that just have a tendency to pay late or they're just bad at, there's a lot of property management companies that just have bad pay payment procedures, so they pay late all the time or they lose a bill, you just gotta call them up and let them know mm -hmm. and to write a check. Yeah, and a lot of times they're nice about it, they're just like, oh shoot, but, gosh, I owe you. And you have to be able, to, you have to shut off the service. At some point, you just have to say, it, it, don't make it your decision Make it that on 45 days, service shuts off. And then if they, you know, you still have to chase the money and stuff, but usually that's an indicator. They're like, okay, shit, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're a good partner, we like having you. We went too long, but have a date, stick to it, and make it so that it's their decision to shut the service off, not yours. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good advice, especially when you're getting started. Sometimes we suffer from like low self-esteem as a business yeah. and it's hard to ask for the money and say that you deserve it. And so, but it is a business. It's not a nonprofit and it's capitalism. Sorry, I, I always say that to employees that are struggling. I'm like, don't hate the player, hate the game. Capitalism, man. Yeah. They gotta perform. There's market pressures. And the same thing with asking for the money. I mean, it's it's just how things work. Um, and then cash management also, if you're intending on growing, you have to be very careful about your cash management because those new forays into maybe you wanna splurge on marketing and seeing if it goes somewhere, maybe in a new vertical, or uh, let's say you wanna get into those um, multifamily units that are you know, 100, 100 units to 150 units, you might have to market in a different way and it may cost you money to do so. And that's where um, those cash issues become a problem is if you're splurging for a certain thing and you don't see the results right away come in in the form of sales. Um, you've gotta watch the cash and the outlay that's taking to, to grow. So that's where people also get into cash flow issues. Oh yeah. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you have to, what, what do they call that? The um, sunk cost bias? Yep. Sunk cost bias, if you're not familiar, is like, oh my God, I put all this money into marketing to the certain group of people. It's not working out. I'm going to double down. People have the tendency to double down on something not working because they already put so much money into it. You see this in software development all so, the time. It's also referred to as the gambler's fallacy. Like where oh. you think that historic activity affects uh, outcomes now, mm -hmm. same thing. So just be cautious if something is just not going well, this is again the extreme ownership. Own the failure of that particular initiative and move on and stop thinking about it. Like we all make mistakes in business, just move on and this is where the goldfish mentality like 
kind of helps. Okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to learn from it and I'm gonna move on. I'm not gonna think about it all the time. So, and then if you're, I, I think just to circle back as a final point is just be really intentional about how you treat people, the vibe of the business, um, the vibe of what you're doing, your values, your mission, um, and really be reflective if you're going through a stagnant state because there are so many learning opportunities through stagnation. And if you learn from it, you can grow from it. And how many business professionals have that moment where um, where they, they really doubted themselves, society doubted them. I, I'm thinking of uh, the Apple guy, he got fired from his own company. Jobs. Steve Jobs got fired from his own company. Um, lots of people who are successful in the end have some trough or some area, some moment in time where they had to get serious, refocus, learn from failure, and move on. And if you're stagnant, maybe this is your moment. Well, and you will stale, you will stagnate. If you're, if you're a startup company, you're gonna stagnate two or three times. So. Just know that, and it might mean you also have to do entire restructuring. We had to do that on several instances where we had a property management-centric one, We had a de- then we moved it to a department-centric one, and then later on, I think we had departmental uh, property management-centric one. So you're gonna have to grow, you're gonna have to change your org chart. And actually, I'd probably start there. If you're stagnating, review your org chart and see if it's designed efficient, so efficiently. And if it looks messy, uh, it's because it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and use use the EOS one too. It's EOS is just amazing. Yeah. If you're not sure where to start reviving your struggling business, then we're here to help. Click on the link in the show notes and we'll meet with you to give you free assessment of your business to identify where virtual assistants can reduce overhead and payroll expenses and get your company back on track to success. Click on the link in the show notes to get started today.